as soon as you wanna watch it twice for Mascopy. Fuck. <laughs> Hello everyone, you are listening to Filmoscopy, a podcast where typically three friends review and analyze a film, but today it's only going to be two. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on any major podcast service of your choosing. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at Pod. On this episode, we'll be discussing the 2000 film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey. Joining me today is Lance. I thought I told you I want to be called Pretty Face. <laughs> you did say that on the last episode. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, all the girls at work, tell me I have a pretty face, so that's what I would like to go as. And Owen is missing because... He quit the podcast in a violent rage. He said that he was done carrying our coattails. He wanted to go out on his own. I'm not sure I said that right. But, uh, yeah, we're looking for a new co-host. No, I'm just kidding. There's no new co-host. Owen has pictures of us naked together, so we can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Owen was busy for this for this episode. Yeah, he's, got, he's, he's piled up on schoolwork. He's got, of course... He's piled up because he didn't fucking do his schoolwork. And so, you know, you wait to the end of the semester to do your labs and shit. That's what yeah. he's doing right now. So Yeah, I know that feeling. Uh, my <laughs> boss had him working, like, yesterday morning. So we worked Thanksgiving together. Mm-hmm. And he had to work to this morning, too, to four. So it wasn't going to work out at all. All right. So just some base information about this movie. Uh, the movie was released to theaters on November 17th, 2000. Which is fucking wild. Yeah. I really thought this movie was, like, later. As yeah. weird as that sounds, it feels like a 2005 movie. Yeah, as many times as I've seen this movie in my life, I always kind of felt like it was a 2004, 2005 movie. It is crazy to think that it came out all the way back in 2000. As I told you off the podcast, same year as Hannibal, which is the sequel to A Silence of the Lambs, and Anthony Hopkins is <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is like eating on somebody's liver while he's uh, like narrating this movie. He's like, oh, hold on a second. Uh, candy. <laughs> While he's saying Susie and style wrong. <laughs> uh, the budget for this movie was $123 million, and it brought in a box office of $345.1 million. Uh, before we get into the plot, uh, I do want to go over some facts about the cast and just some interesting facts about the filming of this movie and actually what led to this movie being made. As odd as it sounds... Dr. Seuss, while he was alive, refused to sell any of the rights for his books, for film, for merchandise, unless he was directly involved in it, which is why we have the animated movies from the from the 40s through the 70s. Mm-hmm. But there was never any live-action movie because he didn't want anything to be made without his involvement. So after he passed away in the early 90s, his widow actually auctioned off the rights to various Seuss properties for movies, music, video games, just random merchandise. So the Grinch was put on auction, or it was put up for auction, and part of the deal that had to be made for the company's bidding on it was that the Grinch had to be played by a famous actor. It says, quote, any actor submitted for the Grinch must be must be of comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. Hey, I will say that's really fucking great praise for Jim Carrey and Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like both of them, especially Robin, Mm -hmm. 
I think he probably felt like later on in his career like disrespected just because he was as funny as he was. Yeah. And he was able to generate reaction. Everybody just thought of him as the funny guy. Right. Even though he did serious movies and he got critical acclaim, but I think he wasn't ever able to shed that stigma of being funny and Jim Carrey went through that phase too. Yeah. And that that's just pretty awesome to put that put them in that class. Because Dustin Hoffman is regarded as one of the greatest actors. Right. And Jack, I mean Jack's a little nuts, but <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm like he's a great actor in his own sense, but he, I always feel like Jack kind of plays Jack, yeah, in his movies. I don't, yeah. <laughs> do I, I know exactly. What you mean. <laughs> so I mean, that's just like if you watch like, you know, Jack Nicholson in The Shining versus Jack Nicholson in Batman. And Batman, he's, <laughs> he's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I'm, mean, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. He has amazing facial expressions. Right. Like he can like manipulate his eyes and his face just perfectly. Mm. And Jim Carrey is the master at that as well. And Robin Williams. Yeah. And, but, you know, so if we're thinking of, in, in my opinion, because I'm, I'm a very uneducated movie reviewer now. <laughs> uh, uh, in my opinion, you have three of those guys who are incredible with their reactions, where Dustin Hoffman is more like the traditional actor, in my opinion. Right. So. Yeah. Another caveat to a movie company obtaining the rights to make uh, The Grinch was that they would not even consider a director or writer who hadn't at least earned a million dollars in the box office. So that was already demanding a, a higher known director. And actually, several companies put in bids for it. 20th Century Fox pitched a version with director Tom Shed- Shadiak and producers Dave Phillips and John Davis. And they proposed... You mean the lead singer of Korn? <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Davis. Mama <laughs> They and when they had pit, made their pitch, they had actually pitched Jack Nicholson as the Grinch. And, was Jack on board, or they were just making this as a pitch? I think. Yeah. So Jack Nicholson later on actually did audition for the Grinch, as well as Eddie Murphy, but Jim Carrey ultimately got the role. Damn, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just saying, if we could have got them also in the movie, mm-hmm. as like I don't know, the Grinch's brothers or some shit like that. <laughs> I mean, I would have been okay with them changing the story just to have those three actors in there. Yeah. And throwback to last episode with planes, trains, and automobiles. Apparently, John Hughes even pitched his own version of the movie. Really? Yeah. He was already he was pretty much done mm-hmm. at this point like, yeah. with directing, and he was kind of already in the shadows. I wonder if it's a situation where because Doctor Seuss is so well known and and beloved by a lot of people. I mean, he definitely had his issues and and personal views on things. Yeah. The last thing on the actual. Uh, when they were pitching, when they were making pitches for the movie, Universal Studios came in and made a pitch with Brian Grazer and Gary Ross, but Geisel, who is uh, Dr. Seuss's widow, actually refused the first offer. That's when Grazer went to his producing partner, Ron Howard, to come with him to attend the pitch meeting so to help convince her that they should get the rights. He went, they got it. It says, while studying the book, Howard became interested in the character Cindy Lou Who and pitched a film in which she would have a much larger role, as well as a material materialistic representation of the Who's and an expanded backstory of the Grinch, which is pretty much what we got. Yeah. Um, they announced the movie was being made in September 1998, and as part of the deal, Universal Pictures paid $9 million for the film rights for both the Grinch and Oh, the Places You'll Go, which was never made. So was that like a package deal they had to buy both? They didn't have to. I think 
I think they probably went in and they probably that was just part of the deal that they was like, oh, we also want the rights to this, so they worked out a deal for that. Uh, it says that Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> Say that last name again, Cody. Peter S. Seaman. There we go, baby. Both wrote uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Doc Hollywood. They wrote the final screenplay following eight drafts. Uh, Geisel had the veto power over the script, and she objected to several jokes, which included uh, sexual innuendos, including one about a family who did not have a Christmas tree or presents, jokingly called the Hoosteens, which obviously is a Jewish joke. And oh. Yeah, and the placement of a stuffed trophy of the cat in the hat on the Grinch's wall, which I guess maybe she didn't like the idea that there was like Death. intermingling of the cat and the hat, even though they've done the yeah. cat and the hat versus Grinch before. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, but um, they shot the film. It was actually, the whole set of Whoville was constructed on the back lot of Universal Studios behind the Bates Motel set from Psycho. Oh my god, that's so great. Yeah, and there's actually reports that Jim Carrey one day dressed as the Grinch, came out of the psycho house and chased people off with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my god. Jim Carrey, I'll tell you one thing, he's awesome. He, I mean, he's kind of goofy. I think he could probably pull that one, but... Yeah. He, he would have done a better job than Vince Vaughn did in the fucking Psycho remake they did back in 98. I didn't know there was a Psycho remake. Oh my, it is a shot-for-shot remake. No alterations. There's like three scenes that you feel like you're on acid mm-hmm. that are added in, but they're like what you would see near death. Like when he she's getting stabbed in the shower, they go to a scene of a cow in a field, and that's just that's what she sees is like what you're seeing as you go into the next realm, yeah. if you will. And then there's like two other things that happen like that, but it's literally a shot for shot remake. Julian Moore played the sister Vera Miles. Vince Vaughn played Norman Bates. Virgo Mortison, I can't remember his name. He played in uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, and he played in a lot of movies. He played Sam, which is. The guy dating the girl got killed in the shower, and her name was Anne. I can't remember her name, but she was an actress that was high profile in the 90s. So it was a high profile thing, but yeah, it was just a shot for shot remake, and it wasn't as good as the original. Just because you didn't do anything different. Yeah, that that seems kind of bizarre. I can't imagine Vince Vaughn being Norman Bates. That's such a weird choice. I mean, he. I feel bad for saying that because Vince Vaughn's a good actor. He's went on to do great things. He just didn't come across as uh, disturbed as you're supposed to be when you're playing Norman. Right. You know, he, you've already seen him in like, the funny stuff and doing the things he's done. I think he had done Saving Private Ryan at that point. I think he's in that movie. Yeah, he was in that movie. Um, but it was just one of those things that just didn't fit. Like, I don't know. Something about Norman is like, you know, something's supposed to be a flip switch and he turns into. You know, what, like, all of a sudden, like, he's happy-go-lucky, he's kind of shy, and he's nervous, all of a sudden, you start talking about his mother, and he flips, and he gets all aggressive and stuff like that, and Anthony Perkins is just incredible, which we'll be doing that movie in about, like, a month and a half, so, Psycho 2. So, another interesting tidbit about the production of this movie, Jim Carrey's costume apparently took a very long time to get on for every day of shooting that they had to do. To make the suit, it was... Made with yak hair, which was dyed green, and it was sewed into onto a spandex suit. But the makeup took up to two and a half hours, and reportedly, Carrie became frustrated having to sit in the makeup chair for so long every day 
that he actually kicked a hole in his trailer wall and he would reportedly just disappear off set for hours at a time and then show up and the suit would just be half destroyed because he was off throwing a temper tantrum somewhere. And it wasn't until... What the fuck? Yeah. He couldn't have played Swamp Thing, that's for sure. It took him like eight hours to get that suit on Swamp Thing. Yeah, and it wasn't until Howard had a discussion with Carrie about how important the makeup was for the film that... And this particular makeup artist, because apparently Jim Carrey was upset with the makeup artist, because I guess maybe he thought that it was his fault it was taking too long, that it should have been done quicker. And eventually he learned to control his anger, and he actually went and saw a um, a therapist to help like coach him through techniques that... And this is, this is alleged. I couldn't find a source for this, but apparently the therapist taught him techniques that allow... that they teach like soldiers or whatever... To, or maybe it was a CIA operative or former CIA operative that taught him how to deal with torture. So it helped him like be able to like sit there and allow the makeup be put on for longer, which seems like a little bit of an extreme thing to have to be able to do just for makeup application. But yeah, I mean, we haven't been through it, but at the same time, like, dude, it's two and a half hours. Calm yeah. down. Like the stuff I've heard from you know watching the behind the scenes of. All the Friday the Thirteenth movies and the Halloween movies, and mm-hmm. like Swamp Thing, and having to put, like, literally put a fucking suit on him yeah. that takes almost five hours to do all over your entire body for it to look like shit. Yeah. Back in nineteen eighty two, grow up, Jim. Yeah. Come on now. I love Jim as like an actor. As yeah. a person, he seems kind of wacky because he's like into, like, the first one you look at his uh, personal life on Wikipedia. It talks about transcendent meditation. I'm like, oh. Okay, sir. <laughs> so this is Bob Ross, you know. I was like, this is this is great, guys, you know. <laughs> and this isn't the first time I've actually heard about Jim Carrey being difficult to work. Yeah, with. Yeah, Man on the Moon, like yeah. Jim Ross and Jerry King Lawler were like, he was with us. Mm-hmm. And that, and Jerry, I remember Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast asked Jerry Lawler, "Was Andy like that in real life?" He goes, "No, he was incredible in real life." Yeah, I guess Andy was better at turning it on and off. For people he wanted to do it with, yeah. Like whereas you know he wanted to do like I think Jim Carrey looked at what Andy did on the screen was like oh that's what Andy was in real life so I gotta be like that in real life, right? But he sent he knew he knew Jerry was a huge fan of Elvis so after the production he sent I think Jerry Lawler a couple like rare prints of Elvis huh. uh, records and it was like you know Jerry was a pleasure working with you yada 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 so that was pretty cool but. He's like, I never want to work with you again, you prick. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, you're never going back in Hollywood, Jerry. <laughs> uh, so I found an article with interesting facts. I won't read through all of them. Some of them I've already mentioned, but this is on Cosmopolitan. Um, oh, they're going to tell me about, can you give me some makeup tips too? Yeah, they're going to give you some makeup tips. Um, uh, just a tip, baby. So they say that the first round of makeup for the Grinch took eight and a half hours to do. And on average, on average, it took three hours every day after that. And, total jim carrey had to have it done a hundred times over the entire course of filming how much was he paid for this movie i'm not sure that's the thing if you're getting paid i don't know yeah i think jim carrey was a very big name at this point so he probably got a good cut yeah if he got a huge cut and you're making in the millions i really don't feel sorry for it yeah it's like just suck it up but jim carrey apparently described the costume and prosthetics as quote, literally like being buried alive every day, end quote. And again, he was trained how to cope with it by a man who teaches CIA operatives how to endure torture. 
At one point, it was so bad that producers thought he was going to quit thanks to the, quote, frisbee-like contact lenses, end quote, that he had to wear and the prosthetics Ooh. being basically welded onto his body. Okay, I will say this. The whole um, contact thing, I could understand. Yeah, as someone who wears contacts... Uh, we both do, yeah. Yeah, it, it's they can become uncomfortable halfway through the day, and that's contacts that are supposed to be made to fit for long-term comfort. And I, those are contacts specifically made for you. Yeah. Like, he's wearing these contacts just to make them look like, like a green yeah, cat. Yeah, and these contacts he's wearing have to be, like, twice the size of a normal contact because they have to cover his entire, Jesus. like, whites of his eyes. Yeah, I, never mind. I'll take back some of the Jim Carrey hate. <laughs> uh, the lyrics to the song, Welcome Christmas, were made to mimic sounds of classical Latin, but they were actually just totally, totally nonsensical. Uh, you know, the song they sing at the end where they're around the Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. Welcome Christmas. Let's see. The stunt coordinator brought in trained acrobats and circus performers from Cirque du Soleil to make up the Who's and Whoville because their, quote, enthusiasm was so great and they were always willing to try something new, end quote. This is one of the most interesting facts I found on this article. Cindy Lou Who was Taylor Momsen's first taste of the spotlight before she later went on to play Jenny Humphrey in Gossip Girl and be the lead singer of The Pretty Reckless. Really? Yeah, and I looked it up. Her filmography basically ends around like 2010 for the most part, and her band put their first album out in 2010, so she's pretty much just been a musician since then did you ever listen to them i listened to some of them after watching the movie they're actually not bad it it's very um it's very much inspired by like 70s and 80s rock and roll almost and like glam I'm back in black <laughs> and like glam metal and stuff like that you know? um, i can't yeah i i dig it yeah um which is fine i'm not big into hair bands but i mean peter frampton was the 70s and he was like the forebearer of a, what they called arena rock which is mm -hmm. like pop rock you know yeah. like nickelback and shit yeah but he's got that uh that 15 minute live version do you feel like you do which is like a mandatory listen to everybody who exists yeah and he has like seven minutes of it says him fucking around with the talk box it's so fucking good <laughs> i swear to god um so the next fact in dr seuss's original storybook the grinch is black and white with pink eyes it was only in the animated film that director Chuck Jones decided to make him green. I'm trying to like process that. So he was say that one more time. What in, color was supposed to be black and white? He what? was he was black and white and had pink eyes in the book. That's creepy as fuck. Yeah, if you if you look at the cover of the book, he, it does kind of look creepy. It's like ugh, it's like even worse than the green with the yellow eyes. Yeah. I will say something about Chuck Jones. It was somebody that worked for many years with mm -hmm. Warner Brothers, and he did. He's mainly known for doing Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, like really? That. So if you watch like the older Bugs Bunny, which is like my my favorite stuff, not the stuff that comes out in like the eighties, nineties, and now. Yeah. But he directed a lot of that, a lot of Wiley e. Coyote, Roadrunner, Daffy Duck, did a lot of that stuff. You, he's always he's either billed as Chuck Jones or Charles Jones, which yeah. is his birth name. But you look at a lot of the old Looney Tunes, they were the good shit. Yeah. And this, I thought that was wild because he directed the Grinch. Movie, the 1966 anime. special that I, you know, I keep referring to, that yeah. I like better. Yeah, that I like more, and I said better. But he directed it, and he was a co-producer of that movie. Which I thought I knew Chuck Jones's name from somewhere because he used to have a Chuck Jones hour on like 
Cartoon Network, and it would just be the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Sure enough, and he probably did, I could be wrong, but I think he also did like Tom and Jerry at some point, too. The film, the film reportedly had the most extras in full costume and heavy makeup in over 60 years, taking the title from 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Uh, which makes sense because, I mean, you you have a town full of Who's and the Who's themselves are not, you know, caught. It, you know how they, in The Dark Knight Rises, there's that football stadium scene? Yes. And they basically. Such a lovely, lovely voice. <laughs> they basically take, they filmed fans in one section of the stadium, like from top to bottom, and then just basically copied and pasted that around the whole stadium to make it look like a full arena. Okay, but you know, for this something like this, you see all these who's walking around and everything. It's actually but people. actual people. One one last thing, just a, I don't know if we're gonna cover it, but the on the sixty six, I'm just looking up the sixty six uh, animated special. Mm-hmm. Boris Kor- Karloff was the narrator and the Grinch's voice. He was Boris Karloff. He was Frankenstein. Yeah, he yeah. was the legendary actor mm-hmm. from that. From the 20s and 30s into the 40s. Doing right. the Frankenstein character. He did the mummy. He was the first mummy in Motep. Yeah. And I don't know what this exactly means. Just read it off this. It says, In 66, Chuck Jones produced and directed the TV special How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Featuring the voice and facial models based on the readings by Boris Karloff. So I'm assuming like the Grinch's face was drawn based on Bar- Boris Karloff when he was reading the lines and shit like that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because, you know, think about that big-ass smile he does and yeah. shit like that. I mean, he watched, I mean, Boris Karloff had some wrinkles in his fucking face. Yeah. I just thought that was fucking wild. I forgot that he had done that. And then, of course, you have Anthony Hopkins, who at this point is probably well-known as Hannibal Lecter doing the readings for the, the live action, which is kind of cool. So. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas as Tim Burton almost directed the film, but he had a conflict with the 1999 film Sleepy Hollow, so the role went to Ron Howard instead. So that tells me that when they made the pitch, they brought Howard along to help persuade Geisel to, you know, sell, I have credibility. Sell yeah. yeah, and then Burton was asked to do it, but Sleepy Hollow got in the way, so they, I guess, convinced Ron Howard, because Ron Howard apparently did not want to actually work on this movie. He liked the Grinch story, but he didn't care to necessarily work on it. And I guess they eventually they persuaded him. Maybe he thought that the original was as good as it's going to get and they shouldn't do this, maybe? <laughs> maybe that's something somebody else has said on this podcast. I'm not going to name who. <laughs> Pretty face! <laughs> the director was so thankful for Jim Carrey's patience that he came in at 3.30 a.m. one morning to put on the Grinch suit with full makeup. Jim Carrey initially thought he was a stunt double that looked nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I'm just sitting here thinking it shouldn't be that hard to put the stuff on Ron because Ron's bald as a rat. Mm-hmm. So you just put all the stuff like on Ron's head. It shouldn't be that hard just to peel it right off. Like, all right, Ron, <laughs> calm down. I wonder if uh, you said her name was Giselle, the the widow of Geisel. Geisel, sorry. Geisel, something. I'm not sure. It's spelled G-I-E-S-E-L, but I'm not sure. So it's almost like Giselle Bunchen, like Tom Brady's wife. <laughs> but I was sitting there thinking, like, maybe when they brought in the uh, Ron Howard, and she went, Opie Taylor, you got the movie. <laughs> just because that's what she remembers him as, doesn't know he's a director. She just thinks of him as Opie Taylor from and uh, Andy Griffith Show. In <laughs> <laughs> Happy Days. Hey! I can't remember his character in Happy Days. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, so, the last fact. That Sunday, I have, Monday, happy days. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the line, 
6.30 p.m. dinner with me, I can't cancel that again, was actually improvised by Jim Carrey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some of these things in this movie is actually funny. I just was like, I can't cancel that again. (laughs) Uh, There there are several parts in this movie, you know, watching it. I watched it this morning because I like to try and watch it the day that we record uh, just so it's as fresh as possible in my head. Mm -hmm. But there were several parts that had me laughing. Uh, and uh when he gives those kids the saw goes come on run chop chop <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when i fell asleep so i'm not gonna have much to say on the plot of this movie but <laughs> you've seen this movie before though yeah it's been a long time ago i remember like when you say lines i'm like oh yeah i remember that yeah i like it when they like they're going up to the well we'll get that plot but yeah go ahead, which actually want. we're about to get in the plot now um as far as the actors go the, the most notable actor is jim carrey we talked about uh, Momsen, who grew up to be the singer of Pretty Reckless, and Anthony Hopkins was the narrator. The only other actor in this movie that I actually recognized was uh, Martha May. She plays Leonard's mom in The Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. So that's that's the only other person that I actually recognize um, out of that. Oh, Deep Roy is in this movie. Really? Yeah, he is. He's uh, a worker in the post office. I think he's credited as being like the postmaster or something. Oh, okay. So interesting. Yeah. Funny, yeah, it's funny when you look back and you notice these people. But plot begins. You know, you get the pan in. It zooms in on the snowflake, and inside of the snowflake is the town of Whoville. Uh, that it's just a normal day on the town. You know, you've got. Let's see. It starts off. It just it tells you doesn't it has Anthony Hopkins narrating like the Whoville thing. Yeah, he's he's narrating. It shows him just talking. They go down to Who's and they talk about the Grinch. And it shows um, four of them. Which what's what's the main girl? Oh name? yeah, it's the um this the the teenagers. They're going up on the mountain. Yeah, she's with them though, isn't she? No, uh, you talking about Cindy Lou? Yeah. No, it's it's her two older brothers and their girlfriends. Okay. And they go up on the mountain because they're they're going to try and and see. The Grinch, because you hear yeah. the legends, and they <laughs> the door opens, and you see this big massive head comes out, yells at them. They're like, "Ah!" Oh, they fall down the mountain, and it's just this dog barking in a big microphone behind it, make it sound like that. he goes, "Good job, Max." Yeah. So <laughs> that happens, and then the Grinch decides that he has to go into town for some reason. He goes, "Yeah," he says something about uh, you know, up my social life or something like that. And then he does that little smile. He actually does the Grinch smile that yeah. way, which was fucking great. Yeah. And um, then, of course, he's got a mask on. It looks like Bugs Bunny, almost. It's just, it's just like a little, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> mask. He has a little string on. He pull up. He's got these big teeth. And that's when he hands those kids that saw. He goes, come on, run. What are you doing? Go faster. <laughs> yeah, and he makes his way to the post office uh, where the first part that actually made me laugh is in the post office. You see that Cindy Lou is there. And her, because her dad works at the post office, but the Grinch sneaks into the mail room and he's starting. He's sending out um, basically letters that you wouldn't want to get in the mail. It's like jury duty, jury duty, jury duty, <laughs> blackmail, pink slip, uh, eviction notice, and uh, or he hears that Cindy Lou is walking into the room and he hides. He's hiding up in the corner in the yeah. ceiling, and his mask falls off onto the ground. So he jumps down and. Uh, he scares her, and she falls well, into Well, she looks the... down, and they look at each other and go, ah! Oh, yeah, that's right. Jim Carrey, or the Grinch, is, like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, you're the, 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 he goes, the, 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 the Grinch. Grinch. Oh, I love that part. The Grinch. And he, she, he scares her. She falls into the package 
sorting machine, I guess you would call it. It's uh, and then yeah, he he's gonna walk away. He goes, oh, "Good job, well done." Yeah, and Max, Max. Yeah, yeah, Max bites him and uh, basically trying to. It, it's interesting because Max is basically used as sort of his moral compass when he doesn't have one. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. It, at the beginning, before he goes down to Whoville, he pulls the X-ray in front of his chest, and he says, "I I took off half a size, and I, this time I'm going to keep it off." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So he saves Cindy Lou. He's about to leave. And Cindy Lou thanks him for saving her, in which makes him stop. And he turns around and he says, saving you? I just noticed you weren't properly packaged, my dear. So he wraps her up in wrapping paper, and her dad walks in to sit to find her in there. When he leaves the post office, he puts the mask on, but he like flicks the string back too tight, and he's like, ow. <laughs> As he's like walking away. He snaps it on his face. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And then that's when I like dozed off. On and off throughout this movie, so I'm a bad podcast host. <laughs> I thought this movie was a little too long for an hour and forty four minutes. It, it that's it, my opinion. I think there are definitely moments that could have been shaved off. I think. Are you just saying that because my beard's like really grown out? <laughs> it's been like three months since I shaved. No, there there are just a few lulls in the movie. Okay, so after the post office, he make he eventually makes his way back up to uh to Mount Crumpet, where the townspeople dump it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he, is, is the Grinch like just, just a who? Pretty much. Isn't he like the same species as the who? The who, like the who, the, the band, the who. Isn't he just like a member of the who that got take, kicked out? <laughs> no, so they actually, um, <laughs> when. Isn't he like a who who isn't? Well, when he's described, that's what her dad describes him as, or something like that. Yeah, her dad says. Uh, I think actually her dad is like he's not really a who, um, or he said maybe he says he's a who who isn't, and she says a a what, and he's like oh yeah that's right a what, so it's he's definitely not a who, and when she goes to interview the people who knew him from his childhood, she sees that um. Or she finds out that from the the two women who raised him that there was a strange wind the night that the babies were being delivered and it blew him in from somewhere else. It kind of implies that he was supposed to go to a different town that existed full of his species, whatever he is. Gotcha, okay. Cindy Lou goes around and she interviews people. Like I said, she interviews the two women who actually raised him. They say that they try to raise him with full of Christmas spirit as most of the Who kids are in the town. It, it's very clear that the Christmas spirit does not exist in him. Um, <laughs> there's like a little animatronic baby, I guess they use, uh, and he like bites the plate, the Santa plate, and he's <laughs> like, Santa, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, he, they, she also interviews Martha May and... Um, Aunt May? Yeah, Aunt May. Where's Uncle Ben at? Augustus... Glute. Augustus Glute, he's in this too. Yeah, he grew up to be a, uh, the mayor of Whoville. Um, I think his name's Augustus Mayhew, um, but I'm I can't, I'm not sure. I still get cracked up saying, "Yeah, he's a what? Yeah, he's a what?" <laughs> I don't know why I get stuck on that. I just think it's so funny. She finds out that as a child, you know, he attended school. He had a crush on Martha May. Martha May had a crush on him, even though she's not admitting that. 
she says that she was focused on her studies, even though she's licking a lollipop and staring at him dreamily in the classroom. That's kind of suggestive <laughs> for a kid's movie. Yeah, and then Augustus looks gets jealous because he, um, Martha May is his girl, as he says. That seems kind of possessive. Uh, Augustus is that possessive, or is that just like normal? It is possessive. This is like a fifties like greaser. Like, it's my girl. Come on, it, we're gonna yeah, fight. Let's get know, to the car and race. It is actually kind of possessive, but it makes sense for the town of Whoville. That's very materialistic to begin with, or at least especially Augustus. Because even don't like, they prove that they're not materialistic though? In the end, but Augustus seems more inclined to stick with his materialistic ways. Because the way he sees it is that the Grinch destroyed Christmas, annihilated Christmas by stealing everything. But it's Cindy Lou that has shown town that they really don't need everything. Cindy Lou and her dad, of course, steps up and and stands by her side in the end. But um, Yeah, that's a lot of... <sighs> this is just me bitching about it, I guess. That's a lot of backstory that's not needed in this movie. Like, the whole thing. Like, the whole thing is about the Grinch. And, like, they have the other animated specials after how the Grinch stole Christmas that I haven't watched, like, Grinch vs. Cat in a Hat and all this kind of stuff. Like, he's good in Grinch vs. Cat in a Hat until his reflection in the mirror reminds him of his evil side. So that's what that leads at. That's what I read on Wikipedia. Yeah. But it's just, like, the whole thing is, like, he hates Christmas. It's very simplistic. He's going to go steal Christmas after he figures out he can, thinking that it is materialistic. But then it shows at the end that it was never about the materials at all with the town. Yeah, and I think... That makes them just a little too much more human. I think... In this movie. Yeah, in the in the, in the the base story, it is really just the Grinch is so anti-Christmas, basically. And that's what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. But also... Dr. Seuss wrote the original book to be an anti-consumerism, anti-materialist uh, lesson as far as Christmas goes. Because, you know, he's basically trying to show people that it's not about presents. It's about family and, and giving and caring and all that kind of stuff. But people have become so obsessed with what's the best and biggest Christmas gift I can get for somebody. And, and there are literally legitimately people that if they don't get what they want for Christmas, they get sad or upset or throw fits or whatever and it's, it's just like you know that's not what it's supposed to be about but that's what it's become um, I mean it's been like that for I mean he wrote it as that it wasn't successful in that way because it's got every year Christmas is bigger and bigger and bigger except yeah. for this year with the pandemic yeah and it's funny that that book that book sales probably actually spike around Christmas time yeah because people still buy Dr. Seuss books I mean like like crazy yeah, um, that's just the thing to me. It's just it, there was a weird thing in the two thousands when they do remakes or reimagines of original movies, mm-hmm. where they feel like they have to add something to it. Well, to- and have to add things. And like I said, that right there, they're trying to add more of a personal story to Cindy Lou, who I think that's is that her name, Cindy, Cindy Lou. Yeah, Cindy Lou who? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and then the Grinch what? Uh, <laughs> but it's like it's it's simple as okay this guy is this guy this creature is mad at the town below him because they're making all this noise because of christmas and he's gonna go ruin christmas and it shows to them the whole time though that it was never about the gifts that was just the added on like extra that they were already happy with being loving and all that stuff like yeah. that's what made his heart grow so this right here it's like i mean i get the whole backstory of the grinch 
but adding on to well, he had a love interest and all this other stuff seems really unneeded in my it, opinion. It's unnecessary, but I think if they were going to make a feature film, they had to do it. They had to do something to extend it because the original story would have only taken half an hour to get through. You know. Yeah. Um, I just don't think like, everything has to be like very. I don't know. Human. Yeah. Like like the human emotions, even though these aren't humans. Yeah, none of them are technically human. I mean, so he could have done like something completely wild and different. Of course, I mean, I would have probably been bitching about it if they had done something wild and different <laughs> and it been like, I mean, this movie is definitely better than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, circa yeah. 2005. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. As much I, as, as much as I like that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie, this is a much better. What I'm conf- not confused. What I'm because I have never watched it. The Cat in a Hat with Mike Myers. You're shaking your head like no. I hate that movie. There's something. There's something about that movie. I've only ever seen it a couple times. Mm-hmm. My wife loves that movie. Owen likes it. Owen said he's like he likes it. That movie for some reason makes me feel so uncomfortable watching it. And I think it it may just be the way Mike Myers looks as Cat in the Hat because he is very much a giant walking talking cat, but he there's too many human features in his face and it's so off putting. So you think he looks like a furry? Is that so, why you're uncomfortable? Well, at least furries have actual animal faces on. Oh well, yeah, like, but he, I mean, he, it's disturbing. It's what they do but, with the faces on. <laughs> That's disturbing with the furries. You know, I think you really should watch the the 2018 Grinch movie because I do I do think it has a, it does a much better job of making the Grinch feel like a Grinch. They don't. Give him this. I mean, they, he does have a backstory. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm going to put it like, make sure I'm clear about it because I am bitching about this movie. I still think this movie's definitely, when we get to it, it's a definitely watch. Yeah. And I definitely want to rewatch it because, you know, I've been burning the candle at both ends the last couple of days of work and staying up and stuff like that. So I wasn't able to make completely through this movie. But things I remember, I laughed out loud and I thought it was great. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that kind of stuff, like the new animated movies, like an hour and 20. 20 minutes 25 minutes yeah, on something like that yeah. and this movie could have really been like i don't know you could have shaved 15 minutes off of it and, and been fun. um but it's like i mean jim carrey is i mean as much as he bitched behind the scenes you would not have known mm-hmm. watching his performance i think he's awesome i think he is the reason why you should watch this fucking movie yeah any movie i'm gonna say this right fucking now any movie that has jim carrey in a comedy fucking role Definitely, and his dramatic stuff is really good too. But in a comedy role, is incredible. It everything fucking holds up. You go from Ace Ventura all the way, all the way up to fucking Yes Man, all the way to what he's doing on Saturday Night Live, making uh, spoofing Joe Biden and stuff like that. He is incredible with his facial reactions, his stand-up comedy, all that stuff that he's done. Jim Carrey is incredible comedy. Yeah. And he's an incredible actor. And like I said, this movie is definitely watchable because of that. I'm just complaining because it feels like everything has to have some kind of dramatic love story attached to it in Hollywood, especially in this era. And it's like, so there's got to be like, oh, wait, this person is married to this person, but she actually is in love with this other person. It's like everything has to be like that. And that. That's something that the the new Grinch doesn't do. So it, it gives them backstory, but it doesn't have the the forced in love story element of it. It really is just about him being a Grinch, basically being exiled. Or, you know, it's more of a self exile, but and then coming around and and after trying to steal Christmas, loving Christmas, and knowing that the company of others 
is you know is more important than just hating the materialistic aspect Mm -hmm. and and the new one also i do feel like it doesn't make people it doesn't make the who's as materialistic as this movie does this movie like they are straight up just like everything is about presence about how good your lights are on your house and you know, it, you know, if you can, yeah, I didn't notice because the mom wanted the competition mm-hmm. with the lights that she was putting on the house. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's another thing I didn't pick up on. But yeah, um, but yeah, so when he when he's a kid, he makes a gift for Martha May. He um, shaves his face because Augustus had made a comment that I actually used with my dog, uh, where he says something like, "You're only eight years old and you have a beard." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Oh, that's pretty good. You got, oh, Cody has a dog that's completely black haired but has this really gray beard. <laughs> and he looks like a cross between Master Splinter from the Ninja Turtles <laughs> and like Rogue of X Men. Because she has the gray streak in her hair. And Cody had, which is weird because Cody has a gray streak like where a, a widow's peak would be, which is fucking wild. <laughs> You'd have to see it on, like, for real because I'm not making this up. And then, like, his dog has a fucking gray patch in his beard, and he, his dog looks like Master Splinter. <laughs> but his dog is literally, like, four years old, if that. So it's just crazy. Um, so the Grinch goes to the, the gift exchange at school. He uh, is hiding behind a book. Or he's hiding behind his... Yeah, he's hiding behind a book, and then the teacher tells him to lower the book, and then he's hiding behind his foot, and he gets to lower his foot. <laughs> um... <laughs> And uh, they see that he tried to shave and cut his face all up, and they start mocking him. And he basically destroys the classroom and uh, storms out. In which he then goes to Mount Crumpet and climbs up there. And it's it's implied that no one's ever seen him since because he went up there and in exile. So he and this girl held on to their crushes this entire time. Yeah, it's weird because it's been it's had to have been like. 30 or 40 years, you know, if you judge it by how, how much older the characters are, uh, it had to have been decades. It's kind of bizarre. Like, I mean, look, I had a crush on a girl for like, shit, like at least six or seven years from like kindergarten to seventh grade. I can count on one hand the sentences I've said to her. (laughs) I just had absolutely no... Like confidence to say, because I gotta give him some credit though. I had absolutely no confidence to say anything to her ever, and she was the most pretty. She's the prettiest. Like I'm four years old again. She's the most gorgeous girl in fucking school all the way up until we graduate, in my opinion. But you know, she's a fucking lawyer, and she married. <laughs> I think she married another lawyer, and they're like fucking rich, living in Knoxville somewhere. But it was just funny, like, yeah, I, I don't hold on to it like that. I remember that, but it's not like. Oh, I'm still in love with her. Like, and that was only like 15 years ago. You know, that was the funny thing. So it's like, oh, 40 years ago, I wanted to bang this little green thing, as you put it. I mean, I don't think anybody's looking at the Whovilles and thinking about sex, but obviously they do because they have kids. Well, you know, there's that joke that's made. <laughs> I'm still thinking about him hiding behind his foot. The, w- the way you did that, it was just like, now he's hiding behind his foot. I'm like, <laughs> um, there's actually a joke. So they don't have kids by traditional means but the kids are like they float in in these little carrot these little i like the stork baskets. yeah like like a stork almost and uh the, the kid lands in one of the family's doorsteps and the guy opens the door and he's like 
honey, our baby's here. And he looks down, he's like, he looks like your boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good. I like that. Oh, man. Oh, my God. That's, is that, but then again, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of too much real life. <laughs> I mean, that's all you hear is about people, like, screwing with their boss and cheating on their partner and stuff like oh, that. But yeah, I know. That's just funny, though. So, the uh, Cindy Lou, they're doing the, um, and Grinch what? That's how we're going to refer to him. Grinch what? Grinch what? <laughs> That's uh, his last doing, name. They're doing the Hubilation nomination. Hubilation nomination. Say that five times fast. Hubilation nomination. Hubilation nomination. <laughs> so Here's a the, cookie you tried. They're doing the Hubilation nomination, and Cindy Lou nominates the Grinch. And she gets in an argument with the mayor, and the mayor tries to make a rule saying that the Grinch can't be nominated. Uh, but... They eventually give in, and he says, you know, he will never show, and then, you know, the mayor will wear, wear the crown or whatever. While that's going on, the Grinch is back home in Mount Crumpet. He goes home. He's eating. So, does he know food. that she's, like, doing research on him at this point? No, no. Um, so he just went back up to the mountain. Of course, like I said, this is story time with Cody. Uh, <laughs> he goes back up to the mountain. And then you're that's done, and then she's doing the research on him because she's curious yeah. about him. Yeah. But he doesn't know anything about this. Right. She's okay. only doing the research because... She feels kind of bad for him? Yeah, because of when when he saved her at the post office, I guess. So so she thinks there's some kind of redeeming quality to him that is just completely overwritten by what everybody else says about him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's basically it. And she just tries to build the thing. I think in her mind, if he's made the cheermeister, it'll help like raise his spirit some and make mm-hmm. him a nicer person. And maybe change the opinion of the town, but he's in the ma- he's in this mountain. Except for that one special lady. <laughs> uh, he eats an onion raw. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. No, he does that in the beginning though. He, before he oh, goes yeah, down, the, down the onions in the beginning. He, he eats them and rubs them in his armpit too. Yeah. Goes, when he get up my social my social life. Yeah, <laughs> the glass bottles what he's eating when he gets back to the mountain. Uh, <laughs> and then he's like, I he's like, I don't even know why I uh, bother going to the town. I have all the company I need right here. And he starts talking to his echo. And uh, doesn't he get like arguing with the echo? Yeah, he goes, he, then he's like, he's like, "How are you?" And the echo's like, "How are you?" And he's like, "I asked you first. I asked you first. And he's like, he yells out, "You're, uh, I'm an idiot." And the echo's like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> 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 and then uh, he's he's like whispering. He's like, you know, whispering like, "Fine, I'm not gonna talk to you." And that way, you're the echo. He's like, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, man. That's great. Uh, So Cindy Lou goes up the mountain, and she's going to give the invitation to the Grinch, who, at this point, I guess the the hubilation stuff, or the celebrations have started in the town, and uh, there's music, so he's trying to drown out the music. He's, like, putting screws and stuff in blenders. And he's when she walks in, he's getting his head smashed by like a symbol monkey, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he tries to intimidate her and scare her, and it, nothing works. She gives him the invitation. He doesn't want to go accept the a nomination or the award until he she mentions that it's an award, and then he's like an award, uh, and she's like, and Martha May will be there. He's like, oh really? And she he's like, was anyone crushed? She says that the mayor was upset by it, and it gives him just a big old smile on his face. He drops her down the chute. Then he's, like, debating with himself as to whether or not he's going to go. 
and he's like, but what would I wear? And he, he snags a, a um, tablecloth off a table that's got a bunch of pots and pans and stuff on it. He walks away. And then he comes back and, like, knocks all the pots and pans <laughs> off the table. <laughs> oh, God. And he basically just wraps it around his waist like a, like a skirt. And Max bars. He's like, it is not a skirt. It's a kilt. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he finds the yodeler on top of the mountain and takes the... Uh, like the overall type things. I don't, I'm, there's a certain name for them, but I can't remember what they're called. Uh, but he takes his clothes and he's still debating with himself. And he's like, what if it's all a cool prank and all this kind of stuff? Max drops him on down the chute that he drops Cindy Lou through when he happens to be standing on it. And as he's falling down, he's like, maybe I should flip a coin as he's like going down the chute. <laughs> Uh, and right as the mayor is about to accept the, the award because the Grinch hasn't showed up, the Grinch flies out. He bounces off of a drum, off of a banner, and then right, his face plants in between the breast of Martha May. And they're like, hello, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that he would actually recognize her after all this time. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's weird. Maybe he's been creeping on her this whole time when he go, makes his visits to town. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, um, he accepts the award. <laughs> they invite the, the women up that raised him. And he's like, you two are still alive. <laughs> uh, they dress him up in a sweater. He goes through the whole thing. There's like a whole montage of him getting, tasting all the, the puddings. <laughs> and there's the one guy that's, that's like, well, this one isn't pudding. And he like puts his eyes, he spits out, what is it? <laughs> uh, he does a fudge eating contest. They carry him around in this. Chair. This isn't fudge. What is it? <laughs> Oh, it's it's Mary Who Poo. Oh God, <laughs> he's kind of coming around at this point, and then the mayor coming decides, around where the corner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> about, I thought this was gonna go like a clean episode, <laughs> and I still made a perverted joke. Oh man. Oh no. <laughs> uh, God Almighty, I gotta break this <laughs> somehow. So I thought this was gonna be the episode I could break it. Oh man. The, the, he's like, oh man, oh man, I gotta cut another thing. Then the mayor decides that he's going to propose to Martha May, which of course, oh, they're not married. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, they're uh, not married. So she's been holding out forty years for the green guy to come down the hill. <laughs> um, she he proposes, and she's kind of like trying to find the words to avoid accepting. And before she does, I have that. It says no. <laughs> I like it when girls do that. They're like. Well, you know, I, I didn't know what to say. And that, Just and say no. Yeah, and that's what she's doing. And he, he also shows her that he bought her a new car as part of the proposal. If she accepts the proposal, he'll she'll get a new car. <laughs> yeah. It's like, will of fortune. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of bizarre. But before she can yeah. answer... Can I buy a vow? Will you marry me? I'll take the car, too. <laughs> so before she can answer, the Grinch, like, scratches the car. And then he starts... He gives a whole speech about... How the town doesn't really care about Christmas. It's all about gifts. You know, he's like mm-hmm. accusing everyone about, it's just always about the gifts. And it's always been about the gifts. He uh, says that there's one tradition that he has, he does find to be great from Christmas and it's mistletoe. So he takes the mistletoe from, uh, I guess, Cindy Lou or not Cindy Lou. Martha May is holding mistletoe and he takes it from her and he says, he holds it above his head. And he's like, well, pucker up, Whoville. And he turns around and puts it above his butt. And like, <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone starts freaking out. Things are going nuts. He's running. He lights the Christmas tree on fire. 
uh, he like does like he takes a swig of alcohol and like blows into like a torch or something and it lights the Christmas tree. Could you imagine doing that trick with like all that hair, that yak hair on you? Oh yeah. Well, I wonder if you could eat yak, yak. I wonder if if they actually had him blow any fire or if it was just. I mean, it was a stunt double, but the stunt double was wearing. Yeah. They probably had somebody that did does that little trick for the circus yeah. do it, but they're having to wear all that yak hair. Maybe yak hair is inflammable. Yak hair looks like something comes off your butt anyway. <laughs> One of the funniest parts moments in this this whole section when everything's going crazy is when he finds the tiny car and he kicks the two people out of the car and he like or he's like scoot over and he's like about to sit on them and they're like ah and like <laughs> run out and then he's driving it and he he, he rolls the car. And he's like, run! And he, he's like cutting out running. And it's just this tiny car. It's like no bigger than like your typical RC car. But it makes like a giant explosion that it zooms out over the whole town. There's this huge explosion that happens from that little car. There's a Grinch yelling, run! Yeah, and he's like, he's like, he he's like doing like a slow-mo run away from it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to definitely rewatch this movie. <laughs> so he goes back up to the mountain. Uh, the town is all, you know, they're upset because all that stuff went down. The mayor blames Cindy Lou for it. And, uh, what a jerk off. Yeah. So the Grinch back in the mountain decides that he's going to just take Christmas away from them. So he goes through the whole, the whole thing of making a costume, working on the sled. He, he puts like rockets on the sled or whatever, you know, and they, he, they're doing, they're playing how the Grinch stole Christmas. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah, you're a mean one. And um, I think it's Jim Carrey actually singing this version of it, uh, which I love this version of it. It's so funny. And <laughs> This isn't pudding. This, this <laughs> isn't pudding. Um, <laughs> I, just, I was just thinking about you, the way you told it, and then pitching Jim Carrey doing it, because obviously I was asleep during that scene. But... I just it just cracks me. He's like, "What is it?" Like his eyes just get all wide. Well, his, his mouth is full because he's like chewing on all these different puddings. He's like, "What is it?" And like spits it out. <laughs> this isn't pudding. Uh, so it's uh, something in my basement. <laughs> they um, he's making all the stuff. There's a part where he's testing the sleigh. The, he's doing. He's the crash test dummy for the sleigh, <laughs> and he crashes in the wall. He's like. Oh well, the airbags are a little slow, and right after they, they <laughs> and he's like, "But this is this is what these tests are for." So they get they get the whole thing done, you know. Got a great rendition of the song, and it's time to go steal Christmas. So he goes in. They a lot of this, the narration by Anthony Hopkins is from the book. Um, they actually fit the entire book in this movie, like all the entire like story itself. Anthony Hopkins, of course, narrating it all, but. Um, he goes in and he he steals the last can of who hash and the the roast beef and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, the who hash! I was like, what kind of hash are we talking about? <laughs> like corned beef hash or the hash that people smoke? <laughs> well, I don't know. They never really specify. What if the Grinch? He's like just pulls the hair off his body. And he smokes that. Like that's oh, his, he just regrows his own hash <laughs> off his body. Be oh, like, yeah, I, I got a bunch of. Uh, that's why his eyes are so yellow. He's always fucking high as a kite. <laughs> He looks like the Grinch is like a demonic cat. Yeah, he is. Uh, is what he looks like because the Who's are supposed to be smaller than what they look like in mm-hmm. this. They're like yeah. regular size, like his size. Like well, I think in the animated special, they're like a lot smaller. He's supposed to be like more of a like, like Monster. like chest yeah. head above them all or something like yeah. that. Oh, that reminds me. There was um in the beginning 
when they're mentioning the Grinch being spotted on the mountain mm-hmm. and there's a newspaper clipping and it's like he's in like the Bigfoot pose where he's like singing like <laughs> a picture of him. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, he steals everything. He's he's at Cindy Lou's house at one point. She wakes up and uh, he puts the tree in front of him because she catches him when he's taking the tree away and. You know, he says that he's taking the tree back to Santa's workshop because there's a light that's that just won't yeah. light. Mm-hmm. And uh, she believes him. He leaves. He steals everything and he takes off. Goes all the way up to the top of the mountain and he sits and waits for the townspeople to wake up. No, 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 make up. I was thinking the same thing. Wake up, wake up. No, 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 make up. Toxicity from System of a Down. And they all get up. People are crying and they're crying in melody. He's like, Boo. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, oh, I forgot when, when uh, he's taking all the stuff from everyone, he goes to the mayor's house and he may, the mayor's dreaming about Martha May. And he's like, just each in the Grinch says, uh, just give me a kiss, sugar. Uh-huh. And he picks up Max and like makes, uh, the mayor kissed Max's butt, <laughs> <laughs> and like when it shows like Max's face, and you hear the smooch sound, and his eyes get like real big. <laughs> so, as the townspeople are waking up, the the sheriff, I guess, he gets up and he's uh freaking out, and he's like, "Oh, I I gotta go report this or whatever he's doing," and he jumps in his car and he drives off. But the Grinch tied the car to the mayor's bed so it pulls the mayor's bed out into the street as it, as the cops driving away and uh, so he's in his pajamas and he gets up and he's throwing a fit again blaming Cindy Lou for this saying it, it's all her fault that if she wouldn't have gotten the Grinch involved in the hubilation none of this would have ever happened because this is like the this is like the thousandth hubilation or something like that it's yeah. the thousandth year anniversary yeah, or something, something like, that. like that and um he blames Cindy Lou and also said, Ron Howard's brother has a small part in this movie too. Oh, does he? Yeah, he was uh, the the mayor is the one that's got that big like fucking handlebar mustache thing connecting to his hair, right? No, the mayor is the one. He doesn't have a beard at all. He has the he has sideburns, but yeah. then he has like the gray like swoop. It's like it kind of yeah, but doesn't he have like a mustache too? Mm-mm. No. I'm trying to remember. I because one of because he was the one telling uh, the male guy at the beginning. This is you know this is the thousandth jubilation or whatever. Yeah. The guy right behind him that pops up is like he's got like really fucking crazy teeth. That's yeah. Ron Howard's brother. I think I think that's the mayor's uh, assistant. Okay. They, like because even in this scene where he's out in the street, like he's already there with the mayor's nightgown for some reason. Or yeah. Nightgown like house coat like covering him up. And yeah. Stuff. So that's him. But he was like it's it's the most important one. That's Ron <laughs> Howard's brother. Okay. Um, he blames Cindy Lou. He says he tells Cindy Lou who he asks her. He says, "I hope you're proud of yourself." I guess he tells her, "I hope you're proud of yourself." And Cindy Lou's dad steps in and says, "Well, if she's not, I am." Because Christmas has never been about the gifts. It's all I need is right here. And he talks about he hugs his family, and everyone starts coming around to that idea. You know, well, maybe it's not about the material things. It is about touching people. Touching people, yes. And the mayor is just, he seems like he's still against it. Uh, I don't want to touch anybody, just my assistant. <laughs> just my assistant and Martha. Um, Martha, how do you know that name? <laughs> <laughs> how did we not make that joke yet? <laughs> Say the name again! Martha! How do you know that name? 
like, calm down. That sounds like a song. How do you know that name? How do you know that name? Martha. <laughs> <laughs> they all gather around the Christmas tree. And, uh, yeah, they sing, they sing, I guess it's called Welcome Christmas officially. Welcome Christmas. I can't remember the rest of it. I, th- I think it's just like, and, you know, it's gibberish, and it's welcome Christmas. Christmas is here. Yeah, yeah. Know, welcome Christmas. I can't. I think that's how it goes. Yeah. Christmas time is here, or something like. I don't know. Um, and the the Grinch up on the mountain is baffled by what's happened down below. Yeah. He hears him singing, and his heart begins to grow. Do 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 do. He uh, starts crying. I guess all the pent up emotion from all those years is finally coming out he says i'm leaking <laughs> and uh he's like he looks at max he says max i love you and he, he, max runs over and starts kissing him. he's like he's like all right all right enough enough one step at a time <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes up because he sees that the presents are up there and they're starting to fall off so he runs up to the top of the mountain during all this cindy lou has gone up there to try and be she wants to be with the grinch because she, she thinks no one should be alone on christmas Oh, that's really sweet. So she goes up there and for some reason climbs on top of the giant bag of stuff. So he's trying to save the the sleigh from falling off the mountain and he's about to give up. He's like, oh, well, they're just toys, right? And then he sees her pop her head over the side up at the top. Mm. And uh, he's like, Cindy Lou, what are you doing up there? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she tells him about not wanting him to be alone. He gets all emotional. He finds the strength to bring the sleigh back up. I can't remember if he lifts it above his head in this one or not. That's what he did in the cartoon, the original. Yeah, I think he's he like, this do, one too. Do, yeah. and then they ride the sleigh down the mountain. Uh, the Grinch is like skiing behind it. He's like <laughs> holding onto a rope, and he eventually like gets thrown up to the front of the sleigh. And uh, you know, there's a line in this, and I I think I heard it right. Uh, she said, she tells him something like, are you okay? He's like, what's there to be sad about or upset about or something? The sun is, the sun is bright and the snow is bitching or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, did I hear that right? <laughs> snow is bitching. Um, they're going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Like, the snow is bitching, guys. And just look outside when it's real bad. It's like, man, the snow is bitching today. <laughs> they, they try and use the brake. The brake breaks. And but not in the way you want it to break. It breaks off, and they go into the town. Martha May and Cindy Lou's mom try and stop the sleigh with a string of lights, and uh, it doesn't work. They they finally do get stopped. I think they gently like bump into a building to to finally stop. And the mayor tells the officer to arrest the Grinch, and um, the Grinch says something like, "Arrest me, arrest me, beat me, spray me with pepper spray." But the Grinch apologizes, and uh, the mayor said, did you hear him? He said, yeah, I heard him. He said he was sorry. And then somehow the, the, the police officer's like, yeah, everything looks to be accounted for. How can you tell? It's just a giant sack on the sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I roughly know about what's in everybody's house around here. So, you know, they're all happy. Martha May climbs up on the on the bag, gets her ring out, and gives it back to the mayor and says that, her heart belongs to someone else. And the Grinch does a little happy dance. He goes to shake the mayor's hand and says, no hard feelings. And when the mayor shakes his hand, he like pulls him close and starts laughing in his face. Uh, <laughs> and then the Grinch joins them as they got, they all circle around the Christmas tree again and start singing welcome Christmas. And 
I don't think in this one it shows them eating dinner. It might, but I can't remember for sure. I don't remember them eating dinner in the original. I think it, they eat dinner at the end of the, the newer one. Oh, the newer one, okay. Yeah, so I think in this one it ends with them all around the tree, and it, it zooms out, you know, back out of the snowflake and all that kind of stuff. Gosh. And that's the end of the movie. As far as if I would recommend this movie, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it it has a few flaws, of course, but it I has think, a few claws too. Yeah, a few claws. Uh, no Santa Claus though, <gasps> except for the Grinch claws. I think that it's still funny. It still has its laugh out loud moments. Jim Carrey does an excellent job as the Grinch. Uh, I think I do agree with you that the love story it just feels forced in for no reason. They could have done without it. Uh, but overall, it's definitely a movie worth watching. I watch this movie every year at, around Christmas time. And I've watched it pretty much every year since it came out in 2000, even though I didn't realize it was that old. <laughs> yeah, it was just wild. I mean, think about this. Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water, which is an incredible album of classical music <laughs> that that was also released the same year. Just think about like, the context. Like, what they, like Hannibal came out that year. Yeah, Chocolate Starfish came out that year. Um and you know it's crazy. Uh, hybrid theory came out that year. Yeah, hybrid theory, and just like it's just a hodgepodge. Like two thousand was just such a strange thing. You go back and look at it. Of course, you grew up living in it like I did. Yeah, it seemed normal. Yeah, it was like like it felt like a new wave was crashing with the old wave right at that time. And yeah. It was just awesome. Well, it's weird because the it inter- just doesn't age well. The internet era, like we had the internet in the nineties, but it wasn't the internet era really. <laughs> disconnected yeah damn it mom hang up the phone (laughs) uh the the internet era really like started to like blow up at that time too so it it, it's weird and it ruined professional wrestling yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) in 99 you know you had people freaking out about y2k and all that kind of stuff um, yeah, but then we he gave us Y two J. Yeah, Raw is Jericho. Um, Break the walls down. <laughs> so, would you? What do you think? Would you recommend this movie? I definitely would. I I'm recommending it to myself to rewatch it because mm-hmm. it's, it's been a hot minute. I have watched it before, but you reminding me of the scenes. I mean, I literally like once we got into the plot, like 10 minutes into the plot, I was already like wiping tears away laughing what we were laughing about. Yeah. So the movie's incredible. The, I was about to say the political synopsis was just stupid. The critical synopsis that I was reading says like Rotten Tomatoes has it at 49 minutes, yeah. uh, 49 minutes, 49%. Percent. Yeah. But the, their thing was like John, uh, John, Jim Carrey makes every scene, but every scene without him feel falls flat. Yeah. So it's literally like, even at the minimum, if you just like Jim Carrey and you don't think you're going to like this movie, just watch it for Jim Carrey. Yeah. I mean, that's like, for us, for somebody who has like zero interest to watch this movie, you want to watch Jim Carrey be hilarious, watch the movie. Yeah. So it's a definitely recommend. I know Owen would recommend it. He's here in spirit. <laughs> R.I.P. You know, it's, it, you talk about the critical reviews of it. I actually read a, a quote from Roger, uh, Roger Ebert. Hey, the... The, isn't that the esteemed critic that gave up uh, Betsy Palmer's address when she did Friday the 13th? Yeah, the, the nut job. Oh, wow. So so what do you think? Uh, I'm he, curious. He hated the movie, and he said that... The I think he was a fat one. There's a, like If you watch it, there's like one that's kind of bald. The other one had like like really dark hair, but was really fat. Mm-hmm. It just looks like somebody you want to punch in the face. Both of them. <laughs> but 
Well, mean, I've always gotten the impression they were both kind of just like movie snobs. Um, yeah, that's what this whole thing is. I mean, technically, I guess we've become that. I've become that listening I, to myself. <laughs> I feel like, but I feel like we're a lot more lenient. Yeah, I think we've all had movies in in this run that we've had so far that we've we've at least had one each where we're just like, I don't like this movie. But no. when you look at it, there are redeeming qualities of all these movies, some more so than others. I mean, I'm not gonna work. I'm not gonna pick a terrible movie until like two months from now when it's my turn because I lost a bet to my girlfriend. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like everything, even that Johnny Depp, um, Charlie, Charlie and Chocolate, Chocolate Factory. Factory. Sorry, I was thinking about Johnny Depp and for some reason Keith Richards popped in my head and then Pirates of the Caribbean. Even that movie, there were some things I thought were funny. I yeah. wouldn't go back and rewatch it. I definitely right. would not go back and rewatch uh, Apocalypse Now, even though I had my... Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, Duel was a, was a, a fine one-time watch. In of course, I've watched it a couple of times. I enjoy Duel. Right. But, you know, from the perspective of, like, the movies we picked, this yeah. is not something. I mean, these are movies we we're hoping to introduce to you two or, you know, from whoever's perspective, the other yeah. guys, and see if, what their opinion is. Yeah. Not so much as, like, I want you to agree with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love it. I think the, our best episodes are the ones where we have, like, real fucking different opinions on a movie. Yeah, and I mean... It, and it always, the last one, you know, you didn't completely agree with me on the ending of Planes, Trains, Automobiles, but you were close to it, whereas yeah. Owen was actually closer to my buddy Alex's. Yeah. So we had almost three different opinions, which is incredible at that point. Yeah. And this movie, like I said, I... That's a 100% recommend just because Jim Carrey's incredible. The suit works. The makeup they do on his face works. Yeah. And it's all these little one-liners you're talking about. It's fucking hilarious. And then Jim Carrey, he can only pull it off. Him or Robin Williams are the only two guys that can pull off the one-liners and make it just sound like... Because I can picture Jim saying it, and that's why I'm laughing. Yeah. If you're just saying it like you don't know who Jim Carrey is, you're like, well, I mean, that's not that funny. But you know who Jim Carrey is, you're like fucking dying at that point. 6.30 p.m., dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. <laughs> and he's looking at his little book and everything, yeah. too. And I'm just picturing him grabbing the tablecloth off and walking off and coming back and knocking all the pots <laughs> off and everything. And then the whole, this isn't pudding. What is it? <laughs> that kills me. But yeah, Ebert, Ebert basically said something along the lines that the Grinch is this foul creature that doesn't, put him in the it doesn't really fit in the movie but it's like he is the point of the movie the grinch was basically supposed to be the a physical formation of the lack of christmas spirit basically that's what he represents Mm -hmm. now in this movie so not so much he more he's more him and cindy lou are basically the heroes of the movie because they both see that christmas is not what it should be the grinch has grown to just absolutely loathe christmas because of how the who's or how they do it yeah. but the thing is like in this movie he does which is like one of my my i guess now looking back at minor complaints is that he has this moral background that he shouldn't have yeah I and agree. that's just the thing because you like said the dog is supposed to be his moral compass which yeah. the dog is like why in the hell is this dog so loyal to the grinch he loves the grinch yeah and he gets treated poorly yeah our next episode you which talk about that i am extremely excited for I have, this one is more relaxed than, you know, the the wrestler episode, Mm -hmm. which has so far been, I guess, critically acclaimed from the people that listen to it. That's like one of our best episodes. I was extremely nervous about that one. I, I was so nervous. I was, I was going to mess up covering like professional wrestling 
as a whole covering the movie like my trivia wouldn't make sense turn out turn out perfectly you edited it and you you edited it perfectly and with the music it was awesome and that episode i was really looking forward to because i could finally use all this knowledge this movie coming up on our next go around is something i'm looking forward to because i can literally quote almost every fucking line from this movie yeah. from the word go from the song played to the very ending and we're having a special guest on it. We will be covering National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which was executively produced and written by Mr. John Hughes. Uh, this is a movie, the first National Lampoon's, uh, the first National Lampoon's Vacation was a smash hit. The second one, European Vacation, really fucking fell flat. So it took them four years to get another one mm-hmm. made. And then they made this Christmas one, and it did okay at the box office and wasn't highly regarded, but it's turned into a Christmas staple, should be. And in my opinion, I think it should be played on one of these channels 24-7 on Christmas Day because they play the Christmas story on three different channels. And that's just because it's owned by Time Warner, and Time Warner owns TNT, TBS, and True TV. But we were covering Christmas Vacation starring Chevy Chase and – Beverly, I can't remember her last name, playing his wife, but she played his wife in all four movies. There's a new set of kids playing his kids, which is the running gag. There's new kids in every movie. Chevy Chase suggested that when they did the first movie. And then there's a line in Vegas Vacation, which is the fourth one. He goes, it's been so long, I just, I don't even recognize you kids anymore. And he does this little thing with his eyebrows looking at him like he can't <laughs> recognize them. <laughs> That's the whole gag. But uh, And they did. A, they, there was a Old Navy commercial a couple of years ago. Hell, it may be 10 years ago. I don't even know how long it's been. But it was literally Chevy Chase and his wife holding Christmas, but it was all the kids. Yeah. He goes, come on, European Rusty, or Christmas, uh, well, I can't remember, Cindy Lou. I can't remember the kid's name now. But it's going to be, hopefully, Owen, me, and Cody, and my very good friend, Alex, who I've mentioned quite a bit, who is kind of my critical barometer on these podcasts, because he's the buddy that will listen to it and give me his feedback 100%. And I'm pretty excited about this. Cody's never seen this movie, am I correct? Yes, I've never seen it. Owen has seen it and come around to it. I remember him saying that on one of these episodes, he said that he thought the the opening was like what the movie was going to be animated. Because animated opening is incredible. You're going to think, wow, that's actually pretty well done. Yeah. But yeah, this movie was really awesome. I'm glad you suggested it. It's a bummer that Owen wasn't here. And yeah. also the, the movie I lost a bet on. So this is going to be the movie you pick after. Psych- uh, this is going to be in after Psycho Two, the second our second uh, rotation after this, because yeah. this is the end of our rotation. Next rotation starts Christmas Vacation, right. and then Owen's going to do whatever. Then your next movie. <laughs> we never know what Owen's going to do until like three days before we have to record it, <laughs> or or three minutes into the recording. We're like, <laughs> what the hell? We already watched this movie. <laughs> Owen's like, uh, Kung Pao onto the fist. No, Owen, don't you want to do Home Alone? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so my next movie is going to be Confound Under the, the Fist. fist. <laughs> we get to recording. Uh, we're doing uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Because <laughs> our editor forgets to put in a, a disclaimer at the end. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, but no, uh, so we got Christmas Vacation, Owen, and then your next movie. Which will be Saul. Saul, okay. Yeah. Thank goodness, because I've got that. And then my next movie is going to be Psycho 2, which is awesome. And then whatever Owen does, and then... Whatever you're gonna do, which I think I think at that point I'm gonna do Big Daddy. Okay, which is a great movie, and then the movie after that. So we're talking 
the seventh movie after this episode drops. Yeah, so it, that's literally 14 weeks. Yeah, that's going to be fucking Twilight. Seriously? I lost the bet to her. Oh, my God. And she she wanted me, <laughs> and Alex even thinks it's going to be a funny... Like, know, it, it is going to be a funny episode because me and Carrie, uh, who's a friend of mine... He's your critical barometer on these yes. things, too. Uh, <laughs> there's a part from toward the... Have you ever seen that movie before? Hell no. There's a part toward the end of that movie, which I'm not going to ruin it for you here, but... Uh, Cody, would, I mean, come on. You're going to ruin Twilight no, for me? <laughs> I want you to see the moment and be like, this has to be the moment he was talking about. There's a moment toward the end of the movie, I mean, toward the very end of the movie, that Carrie and I still to this day make fun of because it's just so dumb. But you'll probably see... All I'll say is... It takes place in a hospital room. Okay. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I can't wait for this. This is, um, it wasn't your wife obsessed with Twilight at the time? Yeah. I mean, she, she, my would, girlfriend wasn't at the time. I mean, I wasn't dating her at the time. Yeah. I mean, she would watch these movies constantly and I'd watch them with, with her a lot just because, so we, you know, we just, oh, because, you know, uh, Cody was whipped. And uh, I, I, will say, <laughs> I will say, I've, I've read those books too and, I think, you know what, I'll say it, Stephanie Meyer gets more crap than she deserves for those books. They're not the best written books in the world, but they're not absolutely awful either. I just think they're too mushy, like, it's so much about the romance and not enough about, about the like, bromance? Yeah. Not, <laughs> the bros? Not how about the romance about between the, the brothers? <laughs> it's not enough about the like the vampires. I actually enjoy those books more when they de- dive into like the vampire lore of that world. Yeah, because like, that's just cool. Yeah, like there's a whole like faction. It, it's almost like if you would Lin Quay. Imagine the um... <laughs> the faction wars for MKX. <laughs> Lin Quay, Brotherhood of Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like uh, what it, it like a mafia commission. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like that, but it's a group of vampires that kind of like they have the, rules for all of them to follow. I don't know the ratings of the movie. But Twilight feels to me like a PG rated underworld. I don't. They might be PG thirteen, but PG thirteen. But if you watch, like, I mean, Underworld, the first one might be PG thirteen. But if you watch that, it's a war between the lichens Mm -hmm. and the vampires. Well, yeah, the first, the first. There was a romance between the first lichen who could go back into being a human with the daughter of the vampire uh, leader at the point. Which the lichen stuff doesn't show up until the second movie. Uh, The first movie, it's purely. No, you see, it's all. I mean, you know, they call them lichens. You know, the werewolves, and you know, yeah. there's something special about Lucian. No, yeah, you're talking. I'm talking about the Twilight movies. Uh-huh. Uh, the, Do they call them lichens? In well, the they're, they're, I think they're just called. Well, shit, they may just. I don't know if they just call them werewolves or if they have doggy doggy some. some fan, yeah. hey, look at the doggy doggies. <laughs> yeah, we, we turn into puppy pups. Puppy power. Paw Patrol, go. Yeah, I can't remember what they call them, but the werewolf stuff doesn't show up till the second movie, unfortunately, because the first movie's so focused on. Oh, because okay. this one, Jacob. Jacob, uh, Jacob. Yeah, no, yeah, that's his name, Jacob. The werewolf is Jacob. Okay, but he he shows up with like the long like pair yeah. at the end of the <laughs> first movie. Yeah, you know, talking about like you know, it's yeah. a really fucking. Yeah, he shows he shows up and uh, he has like a thing for Bella because. Oh, I know. oh my god! Explain this to me because mm-hmm. they made four movies. They made five movies. They split Jeez. the they split the fourth book into two parts. Well, welcome to the Twilight podcast. I forgot there was four books. I thought it was three books. We're Team uh, Edward all the way, right. especially now that he's going to be Batman. Ah, uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode. Tune in for the next episode, which will be Christmas Vacation, which will be released uh, two weeks before. It should be like 
Christmas Eve almost? The so day should, before Christmas it Eve? It should be released December 20th, hopefully. Oh, okay, December 20th. Yeah. Which would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll make sure all the microphones are working, and we'll have the whole crew together. So, uh, I will say goodnight, and Abdu. I don't know how you say that. I do. I do. I do. I do. I, Cody, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, see you next time. Bye-bye.